This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 623, brought to you by... Mac Weldon, underwear, socks, and clothing that are better than what you're wearing right now, unless you're wearing Mac Weldon, and if you are, then you know. Use the promo code iFanboy for 20% off, and iFanboy is just like you.
my fanboy pick of the week, episode 623. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Ryan Haupt. Hello! He is sitting in for our co-host, Josh Flanagan, who, and we all knew this was coming eventually, just got in his car and took to the road. Said, enough is enough, I'm out. He was last seen entering an airplane hangar, and we haven't seen him since. So, right. is he hiding in one of the planes? Did he take one of the planes into the sky? Nobody's sure. Yeah, but he's gone. There's nothing we could do. So thanks, Ryan, for stepping in. We are I fanboying every week. Read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite comic. Call it the pick of the week. We also talk about other books. They do the patron pick. Do some emails if there's time. Try to have a good time talking about comics. And here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. So exercise some caution. And according to the script, it says Ryan has the pick. There's your error. No, it's not an error. It's real. What happened? Listen, Connor. That's what heroes do. All right. <laughs> When, when I saw the iFan signal go up into the sky, I knew you needed help, and I showed up on the rooftop, and your your Commissioner Gordon cosplay is on point, by Thank the you. way. I did have the pick. This was kind of a tricky week. I had a lot of books, and a lot of books that I would say were good, but a lot of the stories in those books were either following up on events that I was really excited about from previous issues or leading into something that I think is going to be really cool when the next issue comes out. Right. And so there were a lot of, like, setup books. In between and issues, so, yeah. Yeah, which none of them were bad, and I had a lot of fun reading my comics this week. I just was having a really hard time figuring out what a good pick might be. Welcome to our pain for the last 18 (laughs) years. I know. For all of my years of association with iFanboy, this is the first time I've ever gotten to do the pick of the week. And uh, Did you feel pressure? Yes, a ton of pressure. Yeah. Good. And it was it was and there were a couple of Bendis books this week that were close. And we're gonna talk about those later. And I thought that would have been nice since the first pick of the week podcast was a Bendis book. But instead, I went with the book that by when I was reading it, I was thinking, man, I don't want this issue to end, and I really am excited by what's gonna happen next. And the art looks really good, and that mm-hmm. was Legion number two. And this is Legion, the character who This is the Marvel Comics character Legion. This book is being written by Peter Milligan with art by Wilfredo Torres, uh, colored by Dan Brown and letters by Travis Lanham. And it's Professor Xavier's son who has incredibly powerful psychic powers, much like his father, but I think in a more realistic depiction of those powers also has some mental health issues that go with it. So this would be the character people might be familiar with from the TV show. Right, and I watched a few episodes of the TV show, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't actually finish season one. This is the comic book version of the character with his James Syme hair. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the traditional Mohawked Legion. Right, and he's got essentially disassociative personality disorder like James McAvoy in Split. Right. And they have their own personalities that are completely independent of his dominant personality, and some of them are advantageous to him, and others are a little bit more threatening. And so he is dealing with a character named the Trauma King, who is inside his own head and trying to destroy him from within. And so the first issue was kind of him trying to get to this woman who is a a celebrity psychotherapist named Dr. Hannah Jones. And this issue is he's reached her and he kind of pulls her into his mindscape and she kind of has to solve his problems from inside his head. Hmm. Which was kind of fun. And it's sort of like it has some of the quality of a dream issue, except everything is actually happening. It's just happening in like a mental landscape. And she teams up with one of his other alts is what they're called his alternate personality tony which i think is the character that what's her face was playing oh aubrey uh what's aubrey name? plaza yeah. is playing i think that's the character he's teamed up with so he's teamed up with another one of her alts who is wanting to help overthrow the trauma king and she kind of does a therapy session from inside his own head 
And the thing I liked about this issue is the art's really good. I know Wilfredo Torres has been around for a while, but the style he's using in this book almost has sort of an early Jamie McKelvey feel or Goran Parlov, the guy who did yeah. the, the Punisher series. Yeah, so Wilfredo you know, Torres, he's, he's a guy, I think he, I think he did the, um, the Jupiter's Legacy, the second series for that. Yeah, so yeah. he's a known quantity, and I he's know good. that I already like his work. Really and good. Peter Milligan is, I think, really good at telling these kind of weird, trippy stories. I think that's very much in his wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. so... I thought the two of them worked really nicely together. And then the thing that I really liked about this issue, and it's it's something I think about when I'm watching, especially like a show maybe like Lost, where a lot of weird stuff is happening to supposedly normal people. And part of the fun of the show is watching how these characters roll with it. Yeah. And the psychiatrist character, uh, Hannah, she does a really good job of just being like, okay, this is clearly a really messed up situation, but I am an expert. I know what I'm doing. Let's go for it. And she just kind of says, okay, I'm game. I'm going to try and fix you. It doesn't matter that you've like forcefully sucked me inside your brain. Let's try to get you help. So were you a Legion character fan? Not really. So what what made you pick up the book in the first place? Mostly just trying new things. You know, it was a number one. And so I I try to pick up number ones when they come out just to kind of even flip through them and see if it's something I might be interested in. Mm -hmm. I did like the show a little bit. And I saw that, you know know what it is, Connor? I'm I'm going to level with you. I saw that this was a limited series, five issues. That's a commitment I can make. But oh, that's that's really interesting because you know comic companies are loath to promote miniseries. They usually don't even tell you in the first issue that it's a miniseries. And, and I thought this. I thought I saw that this was a limited series. If I was wrong, it could be. I just it's just there's the feeling out there that readers as a whole don't want miniseries. So I don't know if it was on. The, I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying it's interesting if that's what they did. If they promoted it, it's like what that. I thought. It, I thought it was in my head, and that got me over the hurdle of the fear of a new a, yet another new series yeah and i like the character enough and you know now that our friend ron is off at marvel i try to pick up x titles with a little bit more frequency than i would otherwise just knowing that um that that representation needs to be there so Uh that was part of the reason as well and and then i ended up just really enjoying it and i had fun uh you know kind of with the interplay of david in the real world trying to make sure that the um psychiatrist prone body because she kind of just collapses into a coma when he sucks her into his head isn't uh isn't going to be in any danger while she's trying to get through this maze of his brain to to help him uh get rid of this this bad alternate personality so so two questions one does he i'm looking at the cover for the first issue is he constantly wearing those shoulder pads like is this is his shirt always sticking out like that above his shoulders um, he's not actually in this itch issue as much, but no, he's wearing like a hoodie in okay. this. Uh, wait, 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 he's wearing a hoodie over that hair? No, well, the, the hood is down, oh. but it is a hoodie style. Uh, it's a zipper hoodie. How does so. he get that hair to stay up? That is, I mean, we should ask James. You're a scientist. I mean, you tell me. What's the a lot what's of product. <laughs> I mean, he's a mutant. He's a, he's a dirty, dirty mutant. So his secondary power in addition to his... Secondary his, mutation, yeah. Is to... No, I'm not even going to say it. I'm, I'm just ruining my own thing here. All right. I'm going to write, come up back to that later. So that's interesting. All right. Well, Fredo Torres is really good. Peter Milligan is a solid comics writer. He's been writing X-Men characters for a long time. Yeah. And the issue ends in a cool place. Uh, it ends in essentially like there's like a mind storm that manifests as a wind storm that I didn't realize I would be recording in today, but <laughs> it was very apropos. Is this an issue that you can pick up and read without reading the first issue? The first issue is really just him getting to a position where he can interact with the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. so all you really need to know is that he's having problems with one of his alternate personalities and she's someone that can theoretically help and the first issue is them getting to a point where they meet 
And so you said earlier that this was a comic that you didn't want to stop reading. Is that because uh, of the interplay between the Doctor and Legion? or I found the whole Mindscape world, it was interesting and trippy without being overwrought it like it was you know it wasn't at the sandman dream world or more orpheus level which i i sometimes found a little tedious um and then yeah i just thought the art looked really good so i was into that and it was a kind of a fun puzzle of how they were working through these various mental scenarios to get this guy get this guy some help so right yeah i just was engaged by the story enough that when i got to the final page i was like all right i could i could have kept reading that if it kept going and uh that to me on a week like this where there were a lot of middling books this one ended on a cliffhanger that didn't feel like everything that's gonna happen next is the cool stuff and we were just getting to this point it was felt like more of a natural breaking point in a continuously exciting story if that makes sense well there you go so legion number two pick of the week so I have this problem where every Bendis book I read, I think, is the final issue of his run on it. Mm-hmm. Because we've already ended, the Defenders ended, obviously. Yep. I guess that's the only one. For some reason, I thought that Jessica Jones 17 was the final issue. It really felt like it was wrapping up at the end. And then at the end of the last page, it said next issue. And I was like, "What? wait. Oh. 17 would be a weird number to end on. but yeah, We can't all be OCD all the time. So this was an interesting issue, as we said last time. And I don't know what my pick would have been if I had... This was close. This might have been it. This was very close for me. Have you ever read Emperor Doom? Yeah, the Brubaker, right? No, 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 no. This is one of the first OGNs from the 80s. In that story, Doom harnesses the power of the Purple Man to basically run the world and turn it into utopia. Oh, wow. No, I didn't read that. And then he gets really bored and... And then uh, fight the Avengers. But uh, here we have the same dilemma in which we, we talked about last issue where the Purple Man went to Jessica and said, hey, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I should be using my powers for good and I could Did change. he go to Jessica or did he go to Jessica? Jessica! Which we'll be getting soon, next week, I think. I know, it's exciting. He says, you're right, I can use the powers to make the world a better place. Why don't you help me do that? And this is the issue in which Jessica has the real moral dilemma of whether or not she should uh, use his powers to make the world a better place because she could force him to make politicians uh, do the right thing and get along. She could end wars and hunger and all the things that people always talk about, all those fantasies that they have. He could actually do it. There's a page it. about a third of the way through that's one of the most Bendisy pages we've gotten in a while. Well, that's what I really am enjoying about this sort of Bendis farewell tour at Marvel is that he's bringing back old Bendis. Oh, yeah. It's page, if you're on the uh, digital app, it's page seven, for me anyway. It's where... One, two, three, four, five, the six vertical panels. It's a double page spread of Jessica ta- uh, talking to the purple man, and there's like a million word balloons. Yep. And uh, that, that feels very much like early 2000s Bendis, you know, Powers. Yeah. Powers Bendis. I really like the debate here. Mm hmm. I mean, it's very seductive, the idea of using a power like that to fix all the problems. Who wouldn't be tempted by that? I liked the, that he referred to himself as her genie. Right. So just tell me your wishes. And that that was a really good analogy for, like, I think seductive is a really good word to use. Ultimately, she she can't do it. And and her decision is taken away when Carol shows up and beats him up a little bit. And then he dies. Yeah, that was, I didn't, I was a little confused by those panels. I wasn't 100% sure what had happened. But it sounds like the characters observing it weren't sure either. Carol comes busting in, Captain Marvel, and like knocks him across the room and has him by the throat. And he's all bloody. I think he'd been shot. 
I don't remember. I think Punisher shot him, I want to say, or somebody shot him. He's bleeding. He's got blood on the chest and the back. I guess he does look like he has a bullet hole from the back when he's walking away. But as we know from consuming media our entire lives, unless you cough up blood, you're fine. Right, absolutely. And so he's walking with a bullet hole, and then they watch him from the, they're watching him from the window as, uh, as he collapses in the street, and I guess he dies. So uh, Saga of the Purple Man, at least in this particular volume and era, is over. And then Luke returns to find everything is okay again. Family units intact. I like the Luke sequence in Madripoor where he's uh, he's very frustrated not being able to be there. <laughs> and they're all trying to placate him. It's like, but we're beating up bad guys. Isn't that something you like? And yeah, that was funny. This was really good. I, this run has been really terrific. I think Jessica Jones is a character that Marvel will probably need to put on a shelf when Bendis leaves. I'm not saying they can't ever use her, but... He's so closely associated with Jessica Jones. I'm not saying don't have her in show up in group books or whatever, but I think as a solo series, they probably should put her on the shelf for a while. It's also just so nice to have Gatos back drawing yeah. her. David Marquez did a great job in Defenders, but yes. Gatos has that special sense. Well, what was weird about that is, is she has such a distinctive face under Gatos, and mm-hmm. she has for years. So when I scrolled to the preview of the next cover, showing a woman who doesn't look anything like her and looks more like the actress playing her. Kristen Ritter. Yeah, not a whole lot, but more like the actress than, than the, the person on the previous page that I was just looking at. So that was a little strange. I'm looking forward to how many issues are left of this, and it's one of the best books out there. Just for anyone who is curious, Emperor Doom came out in 1987, uh, written by David Michelini with art by Bob Hall. It was an OGN, oversized OGN. Super fun. I still have it somewhere. And at the time, it cost $6, 68 pages. Check out Emperor Doom and check out Jessica Jones, number 17. Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps 39. I'm really enjoying this arc. This was, yeah, this was also in the running for Pick of the Week. It's just this issue was a little bit setting up for a big thing happening next issue. And so that was sort of why it didn't quite make the cut. I am also loving this book. This is the most I've enjoyed Green Lanterns in a while. We talked about it before. This is Green Lanterns versus Zod and his family. I always like the crossovers between the heroes and the villains. As we talked about also last issue... Hal gave his ring to Kyle because they, they had both been captured by Zod and Kyle managed to get out. He got Hal's super powerful ring that he had forged with his own will, took it back to the, the Green Lantern Corps to, to bring back up. And the thing is, I, I really liked the joke in which Hal's personality starts taking over Kyle. I thought that was funny. Yeah, and I didn't realize, I don't know if it had been established before, that Hal's ring was that much more powerful than your bog-standard Green Lantern ring, which makes sense. I get that. Yeah, because it wasn't forged by the, by the battery. It was Hal basically brought it to existence with his own, power, with his own willpower. That was basically a part of him, which is why I think Hal's personality is seeping into Kyle, because he's basically wearing, he's basically wearing yeah. Hal on his finger. And that was cool. I dug that. I dug that, you know, Kyle became this much more aggressive bravado type guy and, and you know, Guy Gardner saying, like, you keep acting like this, I might actually get a beer with you. <laughs> um, I thought that was really fun. I've been excited. I was not reading this book until this arc started. Mm-hmm. They had a ton of, like, ads for it in other books, you know, showing that awesome cover of Hal going at Zod. And I thought yeah. that's just a great idea. Right. And it's being executed really well. Written by, I don't think we said it, written by Robert Venditti and art by Rafa Sandoval. Yes. Did Rafa just come on for this arc or has he been drawing the book? It's one of those DC books that comes out every two weeks, so the art team is fluid. He's great. Yeah. This art is spectacular. Yeah. Um, there's also a Gorilla Green Lantern. That's... This, I mean, both Green Lantern books are fun. This, was the, this is the more old school classic one. I like this one a little bit more. So the Guardians are finally back in control of the Green Lanterns, and that happened recently. And it did not take long for them to turn, return to the old ways of 
creepily staring down from their giant dais and rendering judgment that the Green Lanterns don't like and they have to rebel against. This book just feels like classic Green Lantern stories. And I like it. I liked all these guys together. Hal and Kyle and John and Guy. Even Kilowog shows up here. It just feels like old school Green Lantern, which I really like. And you're right, there is a giant gorilla Green Lantern. Why not? Is he also from Earth, though? How many Green Lanterns does Earth have at this point? <laughs> it's, 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 very, it's a very troubled place. I did write an article for the site back in the day about what animals I would give different colored rings to. Was gorilla did not gorilla? make the cut. No? Nope. Chimps and bonobos both made the cut, but not gorillas. Avengers 682, you're reading this weekly series. I've, well, I had to or drop story. off. I couldn't keep up. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know what to make of it. It's written by Al Ewings and Jim Zub and Mark Wade together. Art, this issue's art by Sean Zaski. Zas, there's two A's in the... In, not going to work here anymore. Zaski. Two A's in a row. I don't know how that's pronounced. The reason I wanted to mention this is that it's fun, even though I'm not totally super into it, but it is fun enough to keep reading. And I had mentioned on last week's show that there was a book that I was reading that Hawkeye showed up in his classic costume, and this was the book. And so he's running around here in his classic purple suit, and it's awesome. With the head fins? Everything. He's full on. Full on Hawkeye. Wow. I don't know that that's ever happened in years. Yeah, he's mostly just been t-shirt. T-shirt and glasses. And they had, I don't even think they really explained why. He just he was just wearing it, which is terrific. You know, the big old boots and the and the, the fin hat and everything. It's great. I love that we accept that in superhero costumes, your boots are so big you have to fold the top over yeah. the bottom. And that's not a thing that exists. It hasn't existed, I think, since like the Musketeers, but I still kind of want a pair. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. They're kind of like uh, having bell bottoms, but only the bottom part of it. Mm-hmm. And this is fun. There's uh, Red Wolf, I think, is the character that's in here, the American Indian character. And they finally figured out a cure for Jarvis. He, he had been contracting alien radiation that people had been bringing back from space, and he had been soaking it up. So they, have, they found a cure for that. And I mean, it's silly. It feels kind of like a thing they would have happened over a bunch of annuals in the 80s. You know, kind of like that kind of story. Oh, no, also important to mention, this issue, the cliffhanger, is the return of Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Ah, because he's, he's been dead. Actually, the Immortal Hulk, as they show the uh, logo for the new series at the end. Yeah, he, he somehow returns via the machinations of the Grandmaster and the other dude. Well, Hulk is strongest there is. He comes out of a cave and he looks real big and real pissed. Has he been dead since Hawkeye killed him? Uh, yes, I believe that was the Civil War II inciting incident sort of thing. So they, they did mention that early in the book, and I feel like an idiot for not realizing that was foreshadowing. Have they figured out how to draw Falcon's new costume so it's not stupid? The original sin is the design's real bad, so it's never going to be real. Look, I mean, this... Uh, I was going to say Rafa Sandoval. Um, Sean, uh, Sean I, doesn't make the shoulder things quite as big as earlier in the series. You know, because if you need to be flapping your arms a lot, you definitely... Oh, nope, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was looking at a particular angle. Nope, they're still giant. Yeah, it's really terrible. It's real dumb. I am flipping through the issue now because um, I, I just haven't been able to keep up with it, but I do have it, and yep. uh, yeah, that's a good Hulk. Yeah, I, I like it. You with Hulk, you want to make sure that the space between the upper lip and the nose is huge, right? And then the nose itself is is like squinting into the eyes. That's important with the Hulk. It's kind of Bashima esque. This is kind of a, just a fun, dumb story that I'm enjoying. I haven't read an Avengers book in a while. I like seeing all these characters together, even if it's just this big, silly, almost GI Joe cartoon esque story of all. You know, there's this celestial game being played on earth and they've got to grab all these tokens for lack of a better word around the world and and when they do if the heroes do they get sucked into this other 
dimension in it encased in a jewel so that all these people they think are dead like Human Torch and, and Red Wolf are actually uh, in, in stasis as we knew they were not dead. Are you reading Detective Comics 975? Or just I did not general? get to it this week. But you, you have read the series. Yeah, I have been reading the series. We've talked about it before and my critique is that James Tinian is a bit wordy and yes. so I sometimes get bogged down in his comics so his comics are often towards the bottom of my stack and on a big week like this it does, doesn't always get read by Showtime. For sure. He is, he is a bit wordy. This is called The Trial of the Batwoman, and this is the aftermath of Batwoman murdering Clayface as he was running wild in, in, in Gotham. She shot him in the head, and he died, and he was part of their team. Batman has convened a jury to decide her fate in the family. So it's Batman, Nightwing, Red Robin, Batgirl, Red Hood, and, and of course, fucking Robin. As they sit around a table in a Batcave with tea... And discuss what they're going to do with Batwoman. As paralleled, she is dealing with her own thoughts on what she did. She really doesn't care about killing Clayface. She only cares that Cassandra's really mad at her for doing so. Because she was, you know, she's close with Cassandra. Cassandra was really close with Clayface. And uh, at the end, as was portended by future Robin, or future Red Robin, she decides to join up with her father's colony group, the secret anti-Batman army. So she is now officially, at least in this story... The enemy of the Bat family. I actually really like this issue. Sometimes I really like an issue detective, and other times I get kind of, as you said, it gets kind of bogged down in too many words and gets it's a little boring. And, you know, if you get the Bat family around a table and they all get snarky with each other and they have cups of tea. Does Alfred not get a vote? Apparently not. That's, that's rude. Someone's got to make the tea, Ryan. <laughs> he can't be there for the deliberations. Uh, I also found it interesting. So they're all sitting around the table except for Red Robin, who's standing off to the side. And, I mean, Red Hood is sitting off to the side because he's broody. That the only one who took off her mask was Batgirl. Everyone else has got their masks on. It was an interesting little art character choice. Everyone else is sort of very rigid in their uniforms, and she was, just took her helmet off. And I just found it funny that Red Hood didn't take his helmet off because he's literally talking through a, a plate of red glass. He takes it off eventually to, to do his little speech, but it was just funny. It was just good character work. So I enjoyed this. Detective Comics 975. So let's talk about Mac Weldon. Ryan, um, do you consider your nether regions to be important to you? Yes. Do you consider um, taking care of them also important to you? Yes. It's, it's a priority in your life. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's why Mac Weldon's so important, because Mac Weldon underwear is better than what you're wearing right now, because it's made of premium essential fabric, and they believe in smart design and really great innovations in the underwear sector. I don't want to say they're just disrupting underwear because I feel like I want to punch everyone that says they're disrupting, but they are innovating in place. Or you think they, that would, innovation would have happened long ago. Mac Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabric, simple shopping. It's really easy. You go to the website, you find what you want, you, you click it in your cart, and you're out the door. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear or socks or shirts or undershirts or hoodies or sweatpants. They've got a whole line of clothes. They'll be the most comfortable you'll ever wear. And they've got a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial which means they eliminate odor. I assume that appeals to you, Ryan, as a scientist. It appeals to me as a resident of D.C. where it gets quite humid. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, drain the swamp both <laughs> on the mall and in your underwear. You'd think, you know, before this point in time, people would have figured out that that is an area of the body that needs antimicrobial fabrics. But it took Mac Weldon to do it, and they've, they've done it with a silver line of underwear. Well, they want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like the first pair, you can keep it. And they will still refund you the money, which is crazy. Who does that? No questions asked. They won't ask you to ship it back. They won't ask for your used underwear back. You can keep it. 
So not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirt look good, they perform well too. It's great for working out, going to work, going out on dates, everyday life. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off. He's promo code iFanboy. That's 20% off a pair of underwear that you can get refunded if you don't like. It's almost like criminal not to try a pair. MacWeldon.com, promo code iFanboy. So this is the segment of the show I'm calling the Ryan Haupt Hour because <laughs> I only read one of these books. Okay. First up, Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, number 300, story by Chip Zdarsky, art by Adam Kubert and Juan Frig- Frigory? Frigory. Frigory. Color by Jason Keith, letters by Travis Lanham again, and a great Marcos Martin cover, if uh, you happen to see the cover. Mm-hmm. And this is a culmination of a couple different story arcs. I will be perfectly honest, I was a little lost by the story at times, but the art, especially when Kubert was allowed to kind of cut loose, was really good. There's one page where Spider-Man is jumping through an open ceiling, mm-hmm. holding an entire car that he's getting ready to slam on someone. That is an amazing, it's a, it's just a really good double page spread. It would have been, it's not even a double page spread. It's just a panel, but it would have been one of my panels of the week. Cause it's just looks awesome. Even though I, I had a little trouble with the story, I think Chip Zdarsky has a pretty good voice for mm-hmm. Peter. There's a backup story where Peter Parker's feelings get hurt by Felicia Hardy. That was pretty funny. <laughs> so well, I dropped off of this at, right after he revealed his identity to uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Quickly, what has happened since then in the book? Okay, so what has happened is the tinkerer, or the guy who'd been upgrading all the superheroes, reveals that he's actually a bad guy. And so every superhero who's had tech that's been worked on by this guy, their tech stops working. So none of Hawkeye's trick arrows work. Uh, Black Panther's having some issues with his costume. And the only way to fix it, there's like an kind of out of nowhere alien invasion that happens. And the only way to fix it is to get uh, Dr. Doom now in the role of Iron Man to use the time platform to send Peter, his half sister, who's a spy, and then accidentally (laughs) Jonah back in time. And that's where the issue ends is them going back in time to prevent an alien invasion. Huh? Yeah. So the story, that's sort of where I got a little lost in the story. It felt like there was some... Pretty random things happening, but I do think Chip has a good voice for Spider-Man. I think his kind of wacky sensibility works nicely. So I called a bunch of books at the end of the year or the beginning of this year. I called a bunch of books I wasn't really super enjoying all that much or didn't have a compelling reason to continue. Two books that got called in the in that culling was X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold. So X-Men Blue 22, which I previously had been reading, I had no longer reading. X-Men Blue, is, this, this book has gotten silly. Yeah. And I, I kind of love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now, the X-Men are in space because Cyclops' dad and his pirate crew have all been kidnapped. And they were kidnapped by people wearing symbiote suits. Mm-hmm. And so the X-Men, the five, this is the book with the five original X-Men, the time-displaced ones. Right. But they kidnap Venom and go to space. <laughs> and it's just mm. kind of great. Who is Venom? It's still right now. It's Eddie Brock? It's Eddie Brock. It's back to being Eddie Brock. And... All five of the original X-Men end up getting their own symbiote suits. Huh. And it's just silly. And it's fun. And I'm enjoying the, the wackiness of, like, <laughs> Venom, but it's Cyclops. And they have the Venom powers? Eddie Brock only has spider powers because the suit was originally bonded with Spider-Man. Right. So the, the, oh, the symbiote suits enhance the powers of if you already have powers. I gotcha. And then they have, like, a memory of the powers that they've enhanced before that they can then give to the next wearer. So, like, Gene has stronger psychic powers, Beast is more bestial, you know, Cyclops can, like, shoot optic blasts from other parts of his body besides just his face. And then it also heightens your emotions, so, you know, what are already a group of angsty teenagers are even more angsty and more teenagery, and it's just, I don't know, it's, 
really dumb, but it's fun. I'm enjoying the wacky zany, let's give mutant symbiote suits, because that hasn't happened before. And it's one of those ideas of like, yeah, why not take this one thing from one corner of the Marvel Universe and throw it at the X-Men? Sure. I like that cross-pollination. Doctor Strange 386. This is Donny Cates with art by Nico Henrichon. So uh, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta is not on this arc, which is unfortunate. I'm not going to complain about Nico. No, Nico Henrichon's a terrific artist. It's just that a lot of the appeal for me with this book was the uh, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta art. I get that. What's weird about Doctor Strange right now is that, so it broke off after the last arc, after he got his powers back from Loki. It was a Doctor Strange Damnation miniseries, which we talked about last week. And this issue, take, and it says in the beginning, the events of this issue take place concurrently with, but mostly after those in Doctor Strange Damnation number one. And I just don't understand why that wasn't just the next arc of the book. Yeah. Because this is so intertwined in what happens in that miniseries, which has only had one issue. So now we also know how it ends. And so much of it takes place with him, with Mephisto. And I just don't know why we just didn't do that arc of the Damnation story in the regular book and then do this arc. It's just a weird structural thing. I agree. Like, is this Mephisto who's drawn as the classic you know, cape-wearing demon, does he become that? Or is this just a mistake in editorial where he was dressed like the Vegas showman in the, in the miniseries, but here he's classic Mephisto? Because they're, they're gambling. So it was just a weird thing. It looked really great. I liked the bit in the beginning where Doctor Strange is dyeing his hair because he wants to look more virile. I just found myself wondering why we didn't just do Damnation first and then do this arc. You know, the funny thing is, he doesn't have a lot of gray. He's got less gray than I have. Listen, or, I, mean, I know. Least... It's a sensitive topic for you. No, it's actually not a sensitive talk for me. I think I wear the gray well. But uh, my father, who is a physician, as is Dr. Strange, uh, he, he often says that you want your doctor to have a little bit of gray. Not too much gray, but a little bit of gray. You want a little bit of authority. Yeah, you want somebody who has enough experience but isn't past their prime. In the business world, that would be referred to as a gray hair. That's a, Oh, there's a term for it. Okay. You want a gray hair involved. I didn't know that that was a term. You're not talking about a pale rabbit. No, or a silver fox type of guy, you know. You don't yeah, want, yeah. you know. Like a gray hair, get it, rabbit. You're yeah, a silver fox. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> I'll take it. So, I mean, I like the issue. It's just I just found myself consumed with the idea that this was strange, the way they're doing it this way. Ah, strange. I didn't even mean to pun, but it was, that was the, uh, the feeling I had on it. So, Saga 49, I haven't read Saga in issues since those little cute aliens drowned or died. Okay. Yeah, this is them coming back after one of their hiatuses. Mm-hmm. Um, hiatus-i? I don't know hiatus what the is. hiatus hiatus <laughs> <laughs> Not a book to read in public. And I remember when Saga <laughs> was first coming out because there was a, a little bit of a uproar over the main mom character, Alana, breastfeeding on the cover. Right. And I don't know what Brian K. Vaughan's plan was for this book all along, but part of me wonders if he was just like, if you're going to be offended by that, I'm going all out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so much... <laughs> So much has happened since then in that book in terms of nudity you don't tend to see in mainstream comics. Yep. So the Will, who is, I believe, drawn to look like Brian K. Vaughn, is, oh, is just he? full full frontal nude on the on the first page of this book. Well, there's a lot of dicks in that book. I mean, there's a lot of... Yeah. It's, I mean, there's been giant, giant balls. and it's, it's, it's envelope pushing in that sense to the point where it's mostly comedic. Yeah, it almost seems quaint to think back on the breastfeeding controversy when it regards to Saga. So the Will is being held captive by this weird starry-nosed mole person, which is a great animal, 
glad they're getting some representation in the book. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to track down the the tree ship that our family is on. And um, the two aquatic uh, homosexual reporters are yeah. trying to convince Marco and Alana to tell their story and let him publish it. Because if they publish it, their newspaper has access to this super secret spell that can actually morph them into fish people. And they could join the fish people society and no longer have to live on the run. So that's the offer they've been given. Seems like they're going to reject the offer, but Prince Robot is interested because he and the woman, I can't remember her name, but she's she's transsexual and they have been having a relationship and she kind of says like, oh honey, this is just a fling when he accidentally puts on his screen, I love you during sex, which right. apparently his race sometimes just accidentally displays things <laughs> that they're feeling. And so that setting that up leads to a pretty cool cliffhanger at the end of the issue. So that's all I'll say. How are you feeling about Saga? I still like it. It's not a book that, I mean, it's still a book that's successful. It does really well. But it's not a book really that is talked about a ton as it was the first year when it came out. I mean, it doesn't, it's, you know, it would be impossible to, I think, continue to present as many off the wall new ideas as you do when you're setting up the stage for a story like this. But mm-hmm. I think he does a good job of serializing it in a way that it doesn't get dull. There are enough new characters. There are enough new situations. There's enough new facets of the world. And then, you know, there's still like really good emotional gut punches. There's a scene with the daughter Hazel and her friend, the Prince Robot's kid, where it's all about how like you have to know someone and care about them to really hurt them. Mm-hmm. And I actually thought that, that was like a nice yeah. point to make because you don't, you know, you think about like it's easy to be a dick to a stranger because you don't have to see them again. But if you accidentally say something really hurtful to someone you care about, that has lasting consequences. And so, well, sure. I mean, who, you can also turn the knife harder because you know what, what hurts them. And also, yep. who cares what a stranger says about you? So it does things like that that are nice emotional gut punches. And then I, I don't want to spoil the cliffhanger, even though there is a spoiler warning, but yeah. the, the final page is classic Brian K. Vaughn cliffhanger-ness. So. Is there a giant penis in it? Nope. The giant penis is reserved for the first page. Okay. So you get the giant penis right away. Again, maybe... You get it out of the way and you move on. Yeah. So I didn't even know that this book existed. Really? Yeah. Okay, I feel like you got a little bit of press. Um, so Anthony Bourdain and Joel Rose are writing a book for Dark Horse called Hungry Ghosts, and it's being drawn by a series of different artists. So this issue was Mateus Saltaluoco and Leonardo Manco uh, with color by Jose Villaruba, Villarubia. And I've read some of Tony Bourdain's prose books, and I know from those books that he actually is a comics guy. They did uh, get Jiro. These they guys. also did get Hero together, yeah. yeah so right. he's a guy who who we interviewed likes... them at Comic Con, the two of them together. Oh, did you? I'll have yeah. to go back and find that one. Yeah. So he's a guy who likes comics and has written some comics before, and this is his latest one, and it's a horror anthology of sorts. And the framing story is a billionaire brings together all the best chefs in the world to cook him a fantastic meal, and they do it. And then afterwards, he wants to play this party game that is based on a real. Japanese game from the Edo period that the samurai used to play, and I'm not even gonna. It's like Hiakuno Kumo no Gatari Kai Dankai. Huh. I'm sure, I butchered that, and it's called the Game of a Hundred Candles. And essentially, you have a room full of a hundred candles. Everybody tells a scary story involving like a ghost or a spirit or a monster. And when you finish your story, you snuff out one of the candles with your fingers, and then look in a mirror in the room to see if the spirit of the story or the demon possessed you. And then that's the game. And eventually the idea is the room gets darker and darker and people get more and more scared to tell the stories. Interesting. I would love to see Bourdain write something that wasn't 
So genre based, something in the vein of Starve that Brian Wood wrote for uh, mm-hmm. Image. I mean, where it's it's set in the food world, but it's about more than that. That's the kind of story I'd love to read from him. But that's this is just a framing story. So it's all these chefs telling scary stories, usually about food, but also you know usually about some deadly sin. So it's either the the pitfalls of lust or uh, gluttony, obvious an obvious one right. for food. And things well, like that. That's... And yeah, the story the, the stories are weird and creepy, and I can't quite tell if he's basing them off of actual like Japanese myth or not, but they definitely have an eeriness that doesn't feel like it's coming from a strong Western sensibility of what horror is. And this is from Dark Horse and from Karen Berger's imprint. Yeah. It's very interesting, and I am kind of a food guy. I like I like food and I like you know, I watch food shows and I've watched I watch Anthony Bourdain's show, and so I wanted to give this a try and yeah, it's just just weird enough that I'm curious to see where he goes with it. Well, that's interesting. I might check that out. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this week. But if you're a patron over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote on a book to add to the rundown every week, no matter what level you give. And we appreciate that. This week, Ryan, we had a blowout. It wasn't close. The book that won took the lead from get-go, and all it did was build on it. Normally, when books take a lead early, the lead shrinks throughout the week. This was a crazy blowout. The Terrifics number one from DC Comics. Jeff Lemire writing. Ivan Reese on art with Joe Prado on inks. Marcelo Maiolo and Tom Napolitano on letters. And this is part of that line of books coming out of Metal. Did you finish Metal all the way through? It's not done yet. It's not? No, it's like two more issues. Oh my gosh. I dropped off it so long ago. I, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, it's not even close to being done. Or maybe there's one more issue. But even though It's not done. So this is that line of books that came out. I like to call the Sacrificial Lamb uh, line of books that DC throws out every couple of years in which none of those books are ever going to make it past 12 issues, usually featuring characters you don't care about. But this was the one that I was probably most likely to read, even though I had no plans to read it uh, if, if it had not been the patron pick. Which surprised me because I feel like Jeff Lemire and Ivan Reese, that's a good team. It's a good team. I just don't care about this particular line of books. I just was ignoring it. You know, there's a lot to read, and they, they, they dumped a bunch of characters on us that I don't really care about. Although I do like these characters for the most part. I just wasn't planning on reading any of these books. Anyway. I'm a big Michael Holt fan. Sure. I'm on record, I believe. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, I like, I have a lot of respect for the guy who comfortably says I'm the third smartest person. Like, Bruce and, and Lex can duke it out over who's one and who's two, and that's a big pissing contest. And he's right. just like, nope, happily number three. <laughs> three three's still Plenty pretty smart good. enough. Yeah, exactly. So, the Terrifics... It opens with Mr. Terrific. I guess he's going to name the team after himself. Going to, to rescue Metamorpho, who... It's a little complicated at the beginning. The, the stags, who, the people who created Mr. Morpho, in the, uh, Mr. Morpho, Metamorpho in the first place, <laughs> stole some of Michael Holt's technology to open a dimensional gate to the dark multiverse, which is where, I guess, metal's been taking place. And Mr. Terrific has showed up to get his technology back, but he finds it in, that Metamorpho's sort of being tortured to keep the gate open. So he unleashes his Plastic Man bomb, which has been the Plastic Man egg that has been in, me- in metal to save him. And the exposure to the dark radiation from the multiverse reverts Plastic Man to his original form, which I guess was what caused him to become an egg in the first place. So he's back. This time he's wearing bike shorts. He and uh, Metamorpho and uh, Mr. Terrific are on a little adventure in the dark multiverse and they meet up with an- another character. What is her name? Did she say her name? Uh, it's Phantom Girl. It's Phantom Girl from the Legion of Superheroes? Linya Wazo? Yeah, I think she's from Legion of Superheroes. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Which means she's from the future, so I'm not sure what she's doing in this time 
you know, timeline, but Legion of Superheroes is a is a is a, is a blind spot in my DC knowledge. It's, well, it's a pretty big blind spot. There's a lot of characters. I could steal patron powers from their roster for a long time without anyone catching on. So then uh, the big cliffhanger reveal here is that they're stuck on this sort of Galactus esque celestial body that they thought was a planet, but it really was a body. They find a message, a signal, which is what they've been following, and it's Tom Strong from Alan Moore's old line of ABC comics with a distress call. I don't have a strong opinion. Like, you know, we went through this all before with before Watchmen, although it was a little odd that I guess no one told Chris Sprouse, the co-creator of Tom Strong, this was happening, according to him. I don't really care that they're in the, in the book. I like those characters from before. It, it just, we'll see how they feel. A lot of these characters, they've ported over from other imprints, like when they, with Wildstorm, didn't really, mm-hmm. feel, didn't really work. For some reason, it just didn't fit. Which it should have. Like, there's no reason why the authority couldn't work in DC, but for whatever reason, it just yeah, it didn't have it didn't have the sticking power. Well, I think I think the reason that didn't work is because they were a commentary on the Justice League themselves. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing a specific story, it's hard to have characters interacting with characters who are commenting on those characters without yeah, seeming that. strange. Uh, but Tom Strong is a pure pulp action hero. And so this might be fun. This is a good grouping. They're all big brain people, I guess, except for Plastic Man. <laughs> he could expand his brain if he needed. What did you think of this issue? I wanted to like it more than I did, unfortunately. I must admit. Yeah, I, I was very surprised to learn that you weren't going to pick it up just because it's, uh, seems, it's very quintessentially DC, but trying to give it a little bit of that Marvel flair, I guess, by doing, you know, the Terrifics as being in a pretty, pretty on-the-nose commentary on the Fantastic Four. You've got, you know, you've got the, the brute strong guy, you've got the smart guy, you've got a stretchy guy, and then you've got a, a girl who's uh, intangible. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And then Terrific being a, a very similar uh, appellation to Fantastic. So you're saying they should have been the Terrific Five, is what you're saying? Well, it's still only four of them because Tom Strong is only a hologram at this point. They don't have a fire person. That's what they're they're missing. And then Tom Strong is also kind of a Reed Richards esque character. Totally, yeah, yeah, but a bit more of a, a brawny pulp version of it. You know, combined with like a Doc Savage a little. So bit. what was what was missing for you? I don't know. Well, let's talk about the art. The art was terrific. Ivan Reese. Art was terrific. Fantastic. He doesn't draw a lot, at least these days that I see. But whenever he does, it's great. Like a lot of these big announcements, I'm really curious to see how long he lasts on this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, won't, I can't imagine it's more than a handful of issues. But while he's here, it looks great. I mean, from the first page, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm always really happy when, when there's an Ivan Reese book. I didn't anticipate it being such a tie-in to metal, which, I mean, it's on the cover. That's, that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think all this whole line is, is directly rolling out of metal. I'm with you in that this is the only book from this line that I had any interest in and the only one that I have uh, picked up and read. And yeah, for whatever reason, it just, it didn't quite click. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not able to articulate why, but I, I just, I really wanted to like it. And I think uh, for whatever reason, it also was one of those where uh, Ivan Reese and Jeff Lemire are listed as co-storytellers at the end. Hmm. So I'm wondering how much. Well, the thing with this line partially is DC's rebuking uh, that Marvel quote about how artists aren't important. Ah, uh, okay. So that's why in the, on all these books, the artists are listed first. I mean, it's just a little little thumb in the nose. Gotcha. You know, usually when there's co-storytelling, it usually means the artist... The writer is, plotted it. And yeah, the, the artist, artist is scripting it. But I don't know. I don't know what that means here. And then I, I don't have a super strong connection to Tom Strong, so that reveal at the end was kind of like, okay, but I mean, I would have been fine just putting together this team that's kind of a, a send-up of the Fantastic Four and letting them have some adventures. Especially since... 
the Fantastic Four isn't really a thing at Marvel right now. Did um, you read Tom Strong? I read some of it. I, I haven't read all of it. I feel like you would really enjoy Tom Strong. I probably would. That's something you should check out. Yes, sir. All right. So ratings, ratings. I'm going to give it a four. Four. Wow, that's high. Yeah. That's higher than I thought you were going to go. I enjoyed it. I'm going to go three point five on the strength of the art alone, and then that's about where I'm I'm tapping out. So you came in expecting five stars. Maybe not five stars, but I definitely was very surprised when I learned you weren't planning on reading it unless the patrons picked it and then given the creative team. And then, yeah, I just I liked the idea of the book and I liked the characters on the cover enough that I was I was ready. Because 3.5 is like pretty solid score for a book you were disappointed in. Well, because, I mean, you can't discount how good it looks. That's true. Like however much of the story didn't grab me. It is gorgeous. All right. So, so here's the big, to... the big question. Are you sticking with it? No. Interesting. Wow. I'm going to stick with it, at least until at least as long as Ivan Reese is drawing it. Or Rice. I think it's Rice. I think that's what someone told me once. But wow, not sticking with it. I don't know what to do with that, Ryan. I mean, if you, you, know, if you come back with issue two and talk about it on the show and loud it and tell me how great it is, I'll reconsider. But my feeling at the end of the issue was just kind of like, I'm good. All right. I thought this was going to be something else, and, and so I'm, I'm just going to let it be. Okay, so thanks, patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can give it any level. You can vote on the patron pick. But if you give it a $5 or higher level, you get your own dumb superpower that we bestow upon you live on the show by way of thanks. And so let's start off thanking Bill Hogan. Bill Hogan can blow up and float like a parade balloon. Ooh. Like he can expand his body out, and suddenly he is as if filled with helium, which... It's great if he needs to float away, but he can't fly. He just floats. So, like, he can't direct where he goes. He just starts floating away. Okay. So, on a day like today, he would be in big trouble. Yeah. <laughs> what if he brings something to propel him? Like, if he's holding, like, a fan. That's probably what he does. One of those, okay. one of those fans that, you know, keep, your, keep yourself warm on a hot day. He can, he can probably, you know, here's one, my real, one, here's one my in real each question, hand. Though. Yeah. I don't really care about his propulsion. Here's what I care about. Yeah. How voluntary is this? Like, if he gets startled... Does he like start to start to inflate? Well, you know, as with many things in life, you have control over them. But sometimes, uh, when you are startled or something, things happen. So, I suppose in a really really startling situation, accidentally he would shoot off his powers. Wow, yeah. that's that seems like I mean, if you're in a in a plane or something, that could be really bad. Well, hopefully, there's no situation where you're in a plane where you're startled like that. Well, turbulence. Maybe he's like taking a nap and you hit some hit a rough patch. That's true. Well, he practices meditation. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Glad he has that. Yeah. Michael Scuderi. Michael Scuderi has the power that he can open the terminal or DOS prompt on any computer and just type what he wants to happen. He doesn't need to know the commands, and it'll it'll happen. So he doesn't need to code. He just type in, yeah. do, do this thing in plain English, and it does it. Yep. Yep. Eject the CD drive. It'll eject. It only works in MS-DOS? Or the terminal on a Mac. Oh, or I guess the Linux terminal as well. So any, but it has to be command prompt. It can't, you know, it has to be text-based command. It can't be point and click. Interesting. Because you can do that on your Mac right now. You could open up a terminal and, and type out things and they would happen. And he, he can do that in plain English, but it still works. Well, that's actually quite useful. Yeah, I thought so. Louis Carrillo. I've already got a superhero name for Louis. And the superhero oh. name will, will basically explain the power. 
Louis Carrillo at night is known as the stapler. Stapler? The stapler. Out of all five of his fingers, he can eject staples. All five fingers? Yeah, all five fingers. Is he missing a hand? Well, on either hand. I have ten. Both hands. Both hands. <laughs> all five fingers on either hand. I'm they all work. They all, they all eject staples. Wow. Yeah. And with, like, what level of force? Like a stapler. Like, like a stapler get? would. Yeah, but, like, there's different levels of stapler. Like your standard swing lens off a stapler. Okay, so he's not like one of those industrial staplers. That no, you, it's you not know. like he's got a nail gun, you know, kind of force. He's, 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 he just, he can staple. I want to know what his job is now to see if this is actually something useful to him. Well, you know. he's like a teacher or something and he needs to staple tests together and things. Or, you know, he could uh, put his fingers on your face and put staples in them and that would hurt. Right. You know, he could, he could use it offensively. I guess. He, he could I mean, maybe find that, maybe figure out a way to climb walls. Ooh, yeah. Go to the climbing gym. He's the stapler. Nice. Yeah. He should get himself a swing line sponsorship. Yeah, I mean, it just makes sense. Does he ever have to refill? No, does no the metal it's, come just, from? it's just, it's, no one knows. Does he have to have a lot of iron in his diet? Maybe. Maybe that's it. Are they like Spider-Man's it, webs where they like fade away after two he hours? He doesn't ask questions. All right. He just, he just, the staples uh, come from where? I think you need no to ask questions. Can he walk through a metal detector? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. At the airport? Uh-huh. No, no issues because they're it's not, like he's got, it's not like he's got a staple sleeve in his fingers that, you know, it's just they appear. Uh, they, the airport from, security was distracted by Bill floating over the tarmac, right. so they had to go. He was startled by a dog and uh, <laughs> by one of those fake comfort dogs, and he uh, he flew to float. Yeah, it's a whole thing. They can be a team. He can puncture <laughs> Bill when Bill gets too, and then Bill will, you know, shrink back down. Stapler in the float. <laughs> Sounds like a bad drive time DJ duo. Yep. Ben Skinner is immune to capsaicin. I'm, I'm sorry, immune to what? Capsaicin, the chemical compound that makes things spicy. It has no effect on him. So hold on. Everything that's spicy has capsaicin in it? Yeah, that's the chemical that makes it gives you the burning picante feeling. So he, he can't enjoy spicy foods. Well, he, I mean, he can't taste that they're spicy. He can just taste the whatever the flavor is. But isn't that part of the enjoyment? For some, yes. But some people hate it. Some people are very sensitive and can't handle any spice. Other people, like myself, put way too much hot sauce on everything and get a little bit of a high from it. And, and he's missing out on that. Isn't that good for you? Isn't spicy food good for you? Like it makes your metabolism kick in? It might. I mean, he still, I think it probably still has like the chemical effect I'm not, on his I'm metabolism. Not, I'm not indicting his power. I'm just saying there's, I'm trying to find the tragedy in this. No, I think, I mean, he might really like spicy food. Right. Uh, in which case, he's but done. But the, the, the power, you know, he could just sit there and eat a habanero in front of you and be fine and, and impress people that way. I see. All right. So the uh, birds also can't taste capsaicin. He's bird-like in that way. So we think, we think that the chemical evolved in plants to prevent mammals from eating them so that birds would eat them and deposit the seeds further away because birds have the power of flight. Um, so it's so it's already evolved as a mammalian deterrent, and he's just got to work around. So should I just be feeding peppers to birds? Well, that's what it's evolved for. But you know, I think the greatest irony in that plant's evolutionary story is that one group of apes decided we liked the burn and started breeding them in probably excess quantities that they would have ever been distributed by the birds for our own pain and enjoyment. All right. Well, there you go. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. Sign up at a $5 higher level. Get your own superpower. Thanks to everyone who does that. We really appreciate it. 
And that is where you can help the show directly at Patreon, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Our next stretch goal that we are not too far away from is our monthly non-comics media podcast. That's where we take the year-end show, the all-media show, and do it as a small uh, monthly show. Um, so if you want to hear that show, go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Also help the show, ifanboy.threadless.com. That's where you can find our six t-shirt designs, the ifanboy logo, the Herm, Pick the Week podcast, ratings, if one is Electro, and GDAT. You can get all those shirts, uh, designs on shirts. You can also get them on whatever merchandise uh, as available at Threadless. I've got an iFanboy mug on my desk here at work that I got at Threadless using the uh, designs we made. So check that out. And we have more shirts coming. We have our next one right, uh, all thought up and ready to go. We just need to design it. We've been consumed with some tech backend stuff on the website that put the shirt on the back burner for a second. So we'll get back to that soon. Also, fanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to all the books we talked about in the Booksplode shows going back to the original Booksplodes. And you can also find a general Amazon link there. fanboy.com slash support. That's where you can donate directly via PayPal if you want to help us out without being on Patreon. If you don't want to buy a t-shirt or a book or anything, you can go to PayPal directly and help us out. Just, you know, a dollar, 50 cents, $5 million, whatever you need to do, whatever your tax man says is the most advantageous thing for you to do this year. I would suggest if you're going to donate $5 million, sign up on Patreon to push them over the million-dollar level so the website has to come back. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do that or you, <laughs> I mean, whatever whatever you want to do. <laughs> Thank you to all the people who support the show. That's what keeps us going. And we just upgraded our podcast servers. We've got all new players on the website. We've got much better metrics. We've got all kinds of things happening. And we really appreciate everyone who did that. Helped us up, upgrade technology-wise. So thank you very much. Let's get one audience question in. And let's do Hussein from Toronto, Canada. Says, I've been buying comics since the summer of 2016. And I'm coming up and completely filling up my first long box. I have a few short boxes that I hold other smaller collections in. But I'm planning on getting another long box soon to streamline the collection. I'm struggling with figuring out how to organize my comics with two long boxes. Should I just divide them to DC, Marvel, and image stuff? Or should I keep it alphabetical? You, Josh, with your multitude of long boxes, should be able to answer this for me. I've been thinking about this question since I've realized my long box is running out of space, so likely a month or less. And Josh isn't here, but it's okay because I, he would tell you that his long box is completely disorganized. He doesn't put new comics in them because we don't get paper comics. We, we read digitally. Uh, his long boxes are full of dedicated runs that he kept uh, or random random stuff from the, the last couple of years of, of buying comics. But his are completely disorganized, so he would not be able to help you. I figure, Ryan, you and I much more organized people might have some insight into this. Maybe. I, I, first of all, I just have to say I'm anti-long box. I think long boxes are a, a horrible storage solution. Short boxes, you know, two short boxes, I think is a much better Interesting. way to go. Just, why? Yeah, why? I, of, because of the weight? Yeah, weight distribution. So do you have short boxes or do you still have paper I comics? I mostly have short boxes. I do have a few long boxes. Uh, I used to work at a comic shop, so like I basically my box collection is cobbled together from whatever the store didn't need and let me have. So I never was a purchaser of dedicated short boxes or long boxes. I was a, a parasite on the comics industry and took. Whatever so do I you get. have still like a collection in boxes? Because I, I famously donated mine a couple of years ago, as I talked about in the show. Mine is sitting on a pallet in the basement of my apartment building. In case it gets wet. Well, it's just you, if you want to store stuff in the basement, you have to, to have a designate a pallet, and then you have to keep your stuff on the so pallet. So how, how are they organized? Is it 
pure alphabetical? Is it do you have boxes for different companies? Do you have boxes for different runs? How, it was how mostly is... boxes for different runs. So like I know I, I know I have all my Ultimate Spider-Man Bendis you know run in a, in a box and things like that. Uh, which you know when you organize them by runs, they tend to also get grouped by category. So I I think I did like mostly yeah by category. I had all my Superman books organized alphabetically in a box. All my Batman books organized mm. alphabetically. X-Men books, Spider-Man books. So I kind of did it by that. Uh, sort of character or team dynamic. And then um, for smaller publishers where I was less likely to have as many long runs, uh, they would get, you know, all lumped together into a box. But like with Image, you know, I've still got a really long run of Invincible and Walking Dead. And so a few other books, you know, I've got like a Dark Horse box, but then separate from my Dark Horse box, I've got like an Usagi Ujimbo box. Right. Because that was a long run that I up for a while. So, so with so many short boxes, you you have it. It's, it's more broken out by comic than it is by... Yep. And I also have like a to read box, right? So I have a box of like, here's things I haven't even read yet, which is still just down in the palette. <laughs> Nowhere near the other stack of books next to my nightstand that is very so when, precarious. When I had my collection, my 30 some odd long boxes, I, uh, I was a pure. Do you like a long box? Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I never really thought about it. I, I, you know, I don't know. I just had them. That's what people had, you know? I, had my, I was a pure alphabetical guy. I had I had the books organized alphabetically. I had the dividers with their names on them and all that stuff. But that was when I had like a ready access to my boxes and could do that mm-hmm. kind of thing and could, could had the time in my life to constantly reshuffle them or reorganize them as you would have to as the you know a run would reach the end of a box or whatever. Towards the end of when I had paper comics, the boxes were in storage and I didn't really have time to hang out in my storage unit time or inclination to hang out in my storage unit and just organize my comics all day. Yeah, I've had a storage unit. That wasn't a location I wanted to spend no, too much time in. The more minutes in the storage unit, the higher chance of being stabbed is, yeah, is how I felt about my storage unit. Feels units. about right. Yep. So I would just stuff the new comics in, in, in the empty long box, you know, sort of chronologically by the week I got them. So it, was, it became a giant OCD mess by the end of it. Where there was no organization whatsoever, but when I did when I did have them, I was a pure alphabetical guy. I just it just appeals to me on a, whatever my strange affliction level is. Every, you know, my books and my shelves at home are organized by alphabetical. My DVDs are by al- are alphabetical. I just I find it easiest to find things that way, uh, and not, not have to remember how I've organized it or have to explain to someone else how I've organized things. Just it's A through Z. Well, I also would sharpie the outside of my boxes to say which, like, this is the X-Men box. Right. This is the Justice League box. So that, that helped me with my organization. I think Hussein should do whatever feels right and the easiest to access. That's my, my feeling. It's a good feeling. Let's, uh, let's wrap the show up. Contact at iFanboy.com is how you can email us if you want to get on the show. Like Hussein, thanks for writing in. And we appreciate everyone who does. A couple of shows behind this show on the feed. So Josh interviewed Rob Guillory on his t- on Talksplode, where t- Rob talked about his career, but also talked about his new book, Farmhand, which just was announced at Image Expo. Very excited for it. Great artist on Chew. So check that out. Great conversation on the Talksplode with Josh. And also, of course, you can go back in the feed and find our Black Panther show, because it's Black Panther's world, and we all just live in it. I'm okay with that. If you want to hear a re- review, check it out. That was a fun show to do. You want to hear a gushing love fest? Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. I do a podcast called Science Order. You can check it out at scienceorder.com or also on Patreon if you want to throw a couple of bucks our way. We stole iFanboy's idea of giving out patron powers, and we give you a thesis title. 
if you donate a certain oh. level. So you, we are a fake degree-granting institution. I also do want to point out re- real quick that um, there are a number of different charitable funds that have been set up to help uh, young African-American kids go see Black Panther, and mm-hmm. I'm going to donate to one of those through a local historically black college here in D.C., Howard University. But I would encourage people, if you really loved Black Panther, to consider giving the gift of being able to see that movie to someone in your community. That's awesome. Also, head over to fanboy.com. That's where you find all of our podcasts. You can find out what the pick is before the show comes out by following us on facebook.com slash ifanboy or on Twitter at ifanboy. You can also follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram for Josh. C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram for me. And Ryan, I think I got these right. I did these off the top of my head. You can tell me if I'm wrong. At Halped on Twitter and at Ryan Halped on Instagram. That's perfect. I did not get on Instagram quickly enough. Well. Well, there's right. a there's a men's clothing company that is my name. My if last you want to talk so. about not getting an Instagram fast enough, there's there's some boy band fan on my fanboy that we didn't get. Oh, ooh, ooh. yeah. Bucks well, me. if you do, if you dig the show, don't follow iFanboy on Instagram, but do write a review and leave a star rating on iTunes. Uh, that is actually really important. It's a, a very critical way for people to find the show. Even if you're not a huge iTunes fan, it makes a big difference. Also, tell your friends. There's a big hurdle to getting people to subscribe to new podcasts, so having an in-person recommendation to someone you know and know that they'd be interested in it goes a long way to actually getting a new subscriber. And uh, tell your mom about podcasts. I'm going to see my mom next week. I, uh, it's her birthday, so I probably won't tell her about this podcast because that's not the gift she would want. But maybe your mom wants to hear about podcast. Does your mom listen to science, sort of? Yeah, she loves it. Interesting. She's she <laughs> she's uh she'll text me about stuff I said on the show that you know you know how it is when you podcast you say things and then immediately forget everything you've said. Yeah. And so uh, she'll text me about things. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you said it on the show. I'm like, oh yeah, I f- forgot about that. That's very nice of your mom to listen. My mom is not listening to the show, which is fine. <laughs> the point is, you should be helping spread the iFanboy love. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Connor. I'm Ryan. See you next week.